You're listening to the Wordslinger Podcast, episode 139, Werecats in a No-Werewolf Zone with Mark Ingalls. This episode of the Wordslinger Podcast is brought to you by draft to digital Convert your manuscript, distribute it online, and get support the whole way at DraftToDigital.com. It's the Wordslinger Podcast, where story matters. Build your brand, write your book, redefine who you are. It's all about the story here. What's yours? Now, here's the guy who invented pants optional, Kevin Tumlinson, the word slinger. Word slinger. Hey, everybody, this is Kevin Tumlinson, the word slinger. Uh, you know, just before these, uh, these little clips go live, um, I know I come on all put together and smooth. <laughs> sometimes but um just before i i actually hit the record button uh man you should hear the the level of noise and phlegm that is happening <laughs> on this side of the mic um sorry about that that's tmi that's tmi for some folks for some of you you're gonna laugh um and i appreciate that laughter um so this week i'm i'm talking with somebody uh it's funny how things happen this this connection came to me because of another interview um, and uh, another guest. And it's on a topic in general. There's a general topic that uh, is interesting and intriguing to me. It's not It's not the kind of thing I'm, I want to get involved in uh, because it just doesn't appeal to me on that level. But it appeals to me on the level of sort of an anthropology level. <laughs> because as I talk to more and more people who do this, who are involved in this, um, it's just it's just intriguing to me, like the reasons behind why they do it and what they find interesting about it and what they find compelling about it. Um, it's in, it's just it's intriguing. I think it tells you something interesting about humanity. Um, so it, not to play it up too much, but I'm talking with Mark Ingalls. Um, and we're, we're talking about his books. We're talking about uh, the fantasy books that he writes. And he wrote uh, Always Gray in Winter. And this is a, a, a cat story. Uh, but he takes some inspiration from the whole furries movement. And the whole furries culture. That's that's something that I, I just, I'm I it's something I find interesting. <laughs> and you may too. Uh, so I'm, I'm happy to present this interview. Stick around. Um, after the interview with Mark, I've got some industry news you're going to want to hear. I've got some really cool ones uh, this week that uh, I'm just, I would love to hear some feedback on. So, and I know a few of you have written. I'm sorry if I haven't written you back yet. I'm working on it. Uh, it's been a busy, a busy week this week. Uh, I got some emails uh, earlier this week that I, I still need to jump into. I apologize, but I promise I will get to them. Thank you for uh, for hopping in and being a supporter, uh, and uh, and for giving me your feedback. It always helps uh, to get that. So, without further ado, let's jump on in. Let's let's take a listen to uh, Mark Ingalls as he talks about werecats in a no werewolf zone. Hello, everybody. Thank you for uh, well, you know, you you actually stuck around at least through the intro of the show. So, uh, bravo and thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, and you're not going to regret it. We're actually talking to Mark Ingalls. He's the author of Always Gray in Winter, which is uh, if you just going by the cover alone at this point, man, the uh, it's an interesting looking book. So I'm going to have to check it out. Uh, Where cats? That's something you don't hear about very often. So how are you, Mark? Thanks for having. On, uh, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me as the host of your interview today oh well thank you Kevin. <laughs> glad to be here and and for the listeners at home this is this is what he's talking about yeah yeah if you're listening you didn't see that if you're watching on the nifty new youtube channel you got to see a preview of the cover which you'll also see in the show notes so we're, we're gonna hook you up mark <laughs> so uh how are you man i uh, um you know, I'd like to kind of open up first, really talking about the book, if you don't mind. I mean, I know sure. you plenty to chat about. You you're you have a whole other topic uh, that we'll get to, but why don't you tell us a little bit about the book and you know why you uh, why you went with werecats? That's actually kind of fascinating. <laughs> sure, sure. Always gray in winter is the paranormal sci-fi thriller I wrote okay. about the 
modern day remnant of an ancient clan of werecats torn apart as militaries on three continents vie to exploit their deadly talents. It okay. is first of a werecat family saga series that I'm writing called A Shift in Season. Okay. And uh, I suppose the only <laughs> truthful answer I can give you why werecats was because I thought they was cool. And that's usually and good enough, man. <laughs> there would be a bunch of others who might feel similarly. Right. And um, I'm glad to have the opportunity to meet uh, you and your listeners. And perhaps there will be among them who will want to go one to Amazon and check out Always Gray in Winter also because maybe they yeah. think we're so cool too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, I mean, there's an audience for practically everything. Uh, that's what makes the world so interesting. I think, um, you, uh, you landed on something that I don't see often, but there is a kind of that shifter, uh, you know, shifter fiction kind of thing. That's very popular. Is there like an element of romance or anything in the book? Does it kind of fit that category as well? Or is it straight up thriller? Well, there, there, it has less to do with, uh, romance and more to do with innuendo and <laughs> reference to things that had happened off camera between the main character who's right. this gal pictured on the cover and her human male lover. Okay. But that really wasn't why I set out to write the book. Right. Uh, there are some other books that I have enjoyed, uh, primarily Cheryl Nantes's uh, Blood of the Pride series from Karina right. Press, which is a whole lot more of a straight up uh, uh, paranormal romance that also right. happens to feature uh, werecat characters. And um, uh, Rachel Vincent had done her Stray series oh, several years ago now is when she started. And I think she just recently wrapped up with, with, with book six. So right. there is a burgeoning market for shifters in the paranormal romance area and not just werewolves, but werecats, werebears. I've, I've seen a, a were dragons. I've seen right. some interesting yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, 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 anthropomorphic uh, archetypes used right but my book is not paranormal romance and i found that out the hard way by submitting to some of those publishers yeah having been rejected because there wasn't romance there, there wasn't no. romance that, yeah. just that just yeah. wasn't the story that i had in mind right now but it is an integral part of uh, a romance story if you're going to submit a romance story there should be some romance in the book, I guess. Sure, sure, <laughs> sure. And, and for and for this book too, uh, I as much as I enjoy books that have a happily ever after, this has less to do with that and more to do with a happily for now. Yeah, yeah. And uh, intending to entice the reader to come back for book two, right? Three and see, oh, how are we going to resolve all this. I, I think it has less to do with a cliffhanger that I ended on and more to do with ending on a note. Oh, well, one chapter ended and now another begins. Right. The back cover. So they're going to have to wait until the next book. Okay. Uh, right. When's the, uh, when's the next book hitting? Well, I am endeavoring to have the draft of the next book, uh, a prequel actually focused on when uh, this character, Pauly, was a teenager and first discovers her unique capabilities and uh, focuses on her and her twin brother, Tommy, growing up werecat. Okay. And that's going to be coming out. That, that's going to be, uh, draft's going to be finished with that. I'm aiming for after New Year's, there's going to be editing involved and uh, copy editing and other 
stuff that goes into making the book ready for publication. Right. But, uh, and my publisher and I haven't actually established a date when that's going to be at, but uh, people who go to my website, mark-ingles.com, be able to follow me on my social media, on Twitter, on Facebook, mm-hmm. uh, sign up for my mailing list, my email list. They'll, 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 they'll be kept abreast of developments. Right. Right. Where we stand in the publication cycle. That's cool. Yeah. So, uh, uh, so you have a publisher, who are you publishing through? Thurston Howell Publications is oh, okay. the, 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 the name Gilligan's of it. Island, uh, Thurston uh, Howell. H-O-W-L. <laughs> uh, the, 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 the fellow's name, who, who uh, uh, the publisher, is, his name is Jonathan Thurston, but he happens to go online frequently by the moniker Howell. So, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm of an age where I thought that was hysterical. Yeah, that's pretty funny. You know, there might be generations of your listeners now that have no idea what we're talking what about. You, what you're saying is don't read your book on a three-hour tour. Uh, no, no. Well, <laughs> I, I, I suppose if, if uh, I've done my job well, if I can, if I can hook someone's attention for uh, a three-hour tour. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. So, uh, well, that's interesting. Okay, so you're, you had uh, – so I do a, I have a scheduler and you filled out all the, all the uh, fields. Thank you. Not everyone yes. does that. Yeah. Um, but I, I did ask for a topic and you had actually pitched, uh, and I like this. This is why I normally don't call out what the actual topic is, but you, you pitched constancy of purpose, remaining true to one's authorial intent. Uh, and I yes. think that's such an interesting, I, 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 I want to dig in on that. So when you are, when you're talking about constancy of purpose, what are you actually referring to? Well, what I, what I had in mind with this is that uh, I, I actually had uh, reused terminology that I remember from uh, when Stephen Covey's Seven yeah. Highly Effective People came out, and right, and, and right. constancy of purpose was was one of the uh, items that he had listed, and I think it's important. For an author, especially, because one really needs to understand what is it that you're doing and why are you doing it? What are your measures of success? What are your individual acceptance criteria that tells you what you're going to do and, more importantly, tells you when you've accomplished that right so i i think that establishing constancy of purpose in one's writing or what i've come to term as ethereal intent is very important for a writer to have because it's going to be the yardstick mm-hmm. against which everything else is measured it's going to be the uh, balance upon which you weigh uh, advice given to you or things that you read online because as we know there are many websites which say many things Mm -hmm. and also a a large number of books um, in my in my day job I'm an electrical engineer and I design railroad and rail transit signal and communications systems so I'm quite quite used to using codes standards studying acceptable past practices and applying them to a particular problem in a creative endeavor such as writing i i found that it's all subjective and frustratingly so what 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 one person says do this because that's what i did and i did well with it uh, you might find someone equally as uh, qualified to talk about this. And one of your past guests, Maggie Hogarth, and I were just talking about this in a chat session. I, I was, was going to bring her up in a minute. Early Writers Guild <laughs> member just, just, just before I came in here. Uh, very clearly that someone else just as successful may say, no, 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 no. Don't do that. Do this instead because that's what worked for me. Right. And, and, and what I like to share with people the experience that I have had is that what worked for them there then 
mm-hmm. may not work for me here now. Right. And assessing what will work or may work and what may not work well at all or may not suit your 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 purpose mm-hmm. uh, is all tied back into authorial intent. What are you doing? Why are you doing it? Mm-hmm. And uh, what measure will you use to know whether this is helpful or not? Right, right. Yeah, I, I'm glad you brought up Maggie Hogarth, by the way, because I just uh, hung out with her for a day or so at uh, Nink in, uh, in uh, St. Pete's. Uh, oh, Saint Pete's. okay, okay. Uh, so, do you, and you guys uh, are both part of the, uh, the Furry Writers Guild. That's correct. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, do you mind talking a little bit about that? Cause I, she and I kind of briefly hit on that kind of thing in uh, her interview, but, uh, I've never really fully discussed it. So I'd be curious to hear like what the setup is with that, that, uh, organization. <laughs> oh, sure. Well, the, uh, uh, furry writers guild, if you, uh, Google the name, you'll probably come up right with just furrywritersguild.com is, is, the, right. uh, uh, is, is the website. And uh, it is an organization composed of people who happen to write stories about one or another type of anthropomorphic animals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I suppose Many of us never outgrew Looney Tunes. Uh, right. Many of us, you know, made Marion from the Robin Hood movie was was my first uh, was my first boyhood. Right. Uh, later, I grew up reading books like uh, Robert C. O'Brien's Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim. Right. Uh, right. And then later, Gene Deweese's uh, Adventures of a Two Minute Werewolf, and. Uh, for those people who are interested in writing about anthropomorphic characters, uh, either entirely or who may include them in their work or someone like me where the characters are human some of the time and furry some of the time, then, then, then I think this is a, 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 an organization that can be helpful to people. Uh, okay. doesn't cost anything to join. Uh, right. There's a tip jar, of course, because there are some costs involved with running the servers. And um, there is a forum that people can find out more about at furrywritersguild.com. There's also planned chats. We were just having one on our shout box just before I came in with you where I was uh, talking with Maggie about about writing novels, in fact, with several of the other people that were there. There's also... a, a number of people who hang out on a slack channel right 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 is available so so it's a real good resource for people who intend to write short stories intend to write novels you don't have to be a member to participate in most of those uh, uh, forums there are a few on the forums that are closed only to members because they have more to do with business of the guild and right elections and treasury reports and things like that the uh joining requires one have at least one pro sale right uh, either in a long form fiction like a novel or shorter forms of fiction like short stories or or even um uh, bits for convention books Mm -hmm. is, is how some people ended up so all of those details are listed on freewritersguild.com along with a membership listing. And I credit the Furry Writers Guild with being very helpful for me, helping me find my publisher, Thurston Howell Publications, in the first place because right. I didn't frankly know they even existed until I, I came to the Furry Writers Guild markets page and there they were. Yeah. Yeah, them and a couple cool. of other them and a couple of other markets I submitted to and had some requests from, and then ended up getting two offers. And then after doing some negotiating back and forth, uh, right. Thurston Howell was the outfit that I decided to sign with. So, what made you decide to go with? Because uh, they're they're clearly Thurston Howell is a small press, right? Yes. Uh, um, yeah. So, uh, what made you decide to do that versus um, you know going full indie? 
Well, I think I can say after you know, a couple decades worth of going around the sun that I, I, I know enough to know that I don't know enough. All right, right, and, right. And, and I know that anyone can self-publish, but not anyone can self-publish well. And right. I, I think that if one has the authorial intent to publish well, one needs to, as Clint Eastwood's famous line says, know your own limitations. Yeah. And, and cover design wasn't a strong suit for me. Right, uh, right. Book layout was not a strong suit for me. It was one of those things. Yeah. If I sat down and plowed my way through it, I could, I could, I could uh, get it. I can also say that writers for the most part are blind to their own uh, uh, writerly foibles and really need to have someone edit their work. I strongly recommend that. And if uh, you're going to go indie, then you're going to want to pay someone to do that. Right. And that is a, that is a reasonable path to follow. But for me, I decided let's, let's follow this path uh, first. And I can mention that at the moment today, Furry Writers Guild membership requirements require you have at least one pro, pro sale and self-published works today don't count for that. Now, there is some discussion going on right now. In fact, I think when Maggie Hogarth was an officer in the uh, science fiction writer, uh, science fiction fantasy writers of America, she was instrumental in helping implement this, mm. that there's now a provision for self-published writers to become members of SFWA. Oh. And I know that there has been uh, yeah, More than yeah. a little bit of discussion of doing something similar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was there uh, this last. Yeah, I was there for the last Nebula Awards, and it's, uh, you know, there's a grow. It, it's growing. You know, there's an indie author presence sort of creeping in at SFWA, but they haven't fully embraced it uh, just yet. So, I mean, I, I I'm happy to see them do it. <laughs> I think and Maggie was among the vanguard. So, yeah, so, yeah, so yeah. she's, she's, you know, I, I credit her with, with paving the way for uh, the, the rest of us, but don't make, make no, make, make no uh, mistake. Those entry requirements are for, for small press for self pub. Right. are still kind of high. Uh, they, it can be done. Uh, and, and I think that Free Writers Guild is trying to implement something similar from the discussions that I have had right. with the other members there. It's more of a matter of, okay, how are we going to scale this to fit what this, this particular demographic can, can support? Right. So we're still working that out to try right. to, yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good to hear. I mean, you know, we I, I know that this is a uh, the whole like uh, shifter, like there's shifter romance and there's shifter uh, thrillers, that sort of thing. So, you know, there are a lot of indies who are doing this stuff now. So it would be, uh, you know, I don't know. I just don't, I, I don't understand why an organization wouldn't allow, you know, certain indies in if they're killing it in sales and, you know, doing pretty well for themselves. But I do understand that there needs to be sort of a, a line there so i get it i get it <laughs> i think it has more to do with with like anything else if it's if if it's easy to do something then everybody's going to do it if, it, right. if it's easy to self-publish and anybody can self-publish practically there's going to be some people who learn how to do it very well and there's going to be a lot of others who are not so much yeah and yeah. i think that that that, that trying to separate wheat from chaff is, is really where a lot of the, uh, uh, where people get balled up with. Right. Yeah. What's acceptable to one person is not going to be so much to. Yeah. I just, I, I you know, I come from a world where we don't want gatekeeper. Gate, gate, yeah. I will get this out. I promise you. Uh, we don't want gatekeepers. Is right. 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 So, and, you know, 
that's a, there's a sensitivity there. So, uh, but no, it's okay. I mean, I get it. Every organization has to have their standards, you know, and you're not, you don't represent those organizations. So I'm not trying to put you on the spot with any of that. So don't worry about it. Well, you bring up a good point about gatekeepers and I want to address that for, for a moment. If, if sure, you do. Sure. No, yeah. Was, open for uh, it was, it was because, uh, and, and you saw on the, the, uh, blurb I sent yeah. that, Part of what I subtitled my topic one was why I would write a werecat book in a post-twilight, no vampires, no werewolves publishing market. And, and I say that because uh, going back to authorial intent, I knew that I wanted to tell the story of the modern day remnant of an ancient clan of werecats torn right. apart by militaries on three continents. And, oh, I need to figure out what genre that is. And so I select right. paranormal sci-fi thriller. And, 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 and if I wasn't writing that, right. unlike many of my writer friends, if I wasn't writing that, I wouldn't be writing at all. And, and, and because that was the story that I had in my heart to tell. And it became very clear that that wasn't necessarily the story in any one reader's heart. Right. Yeah. That became very clear to me. And it became especially clear when after drafting the novel, after workshopping it with my writers group, uh, Allied Authors of Wisconsin, and uh, having found some additional pre-readers I knew from back in the uh, anime and manga and anthropomorphic fandoms that I come from. Uh, they spent a lot of time with me helping get that novel polished to the point where I felt it was uh, my best work. Yeah. I had told the story that I wanted to tell and the way I wanted to tell it. So then I start uh, on the query trail, uh, start looking at Twitter pitch parties and uh, query contests and what I found out by reading the agent and publisher blogs that were appearing in these venues, they were the, they, they were the buyers showing up to market right. was that in big, bold print in many places, they were going out of their way to say, no vampires, no werewolves. Right, right. So I figured, well, and, and, and because of the Twilight series came out, and 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 the market was completely saturated. Right. Yeah. And now the 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 not the the authors that were signed then to publish multi in, into multiple book deals now are finally those are starting to wear out. So some of that glut is starting to pass its way through the market, but there's still a, a, a residual effect is yeah. that everyone is saying no vampires, no werewolves. So I, I figure, Hey, I got this. You want to make it different, but you don't want to make it so different that people can't relate to it. Hey, I got werecats. Well, right. what I found out the hard way is that aside from the paranormal romance, uh, uh, publishers like Karina press, for example, who's still accepting submissions, uh, no vampires, no werewolves means no shifters of any kind. <laughs> right. So where does that leave me? Uh, like I mentioned, uh, I, I set out to write the story that was in my heart to tell. Right, right. And I found after the space of, oh, by the time I got about 70 or 80 rejections in, I had to ask myself, what am I doing? Uh, right. is, is the issue with my craft or is the issue with my concept? Because I think all writers in their heart of hearts will, will be willing to admit me, certainly, I can always stand to improve my craft. I can always stand to do what I do better. But my concept, right. oh no, that's that's not negotiable. This, this, this is the story that I had in my heart to tell. And if I'm not telling this one, I'm not going to tell one at all. If I couldn't write this book, I was prepared to not write at all. Because yeah. why? I thought it was cool and I labored under the delusion that there would be other others who would. So what I had to really, because I had established that authorial intent, because I had established that constancy of purpose, I had to change how I looked at the publishing market, how I had to look at the gatekeepers that you mentioned in the publishing market. Right, right. Okay, agents. Okay, publishers. Here's the deal. This is the story I want to tell. 
are you going to help me identify and deliver this to my audience or aren't you? Right. And that really becomes the question at that point because I knew it was a good book. I had other people tell me it was a good book. Right. I had put work into it to ensure it was a good book. The issue wasn't the book. The issue was the market and different people's opinions on what would sell and what wouldn't. Right. And so that's, that's what finally brought me back to the Furry Writers Guild website again. I'd actually began my search there and then circled back to it months later because at the time I went there at the first time, there was only three publishers and none of them were accepting novel submissions and they were all right. very clear in their submission guidelines. Don't ask us when we're opening either. Right. Uh, but when I went back there again, there were nine and Thurston Howell was one of them. Okay. And, and we know the rest of the story right. there. But the for the fact that I had, but, but, but for the fact that I had constancy of purpose that I had established my ethereal intent, uh, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know if always gray and winter would have ever seen the light of day. I would have taken the tack that I read so often and well, trunk it or bin it or put it in a drawer and forget about it. And there's a lot of people who do that. And I think for those who use that as a development of the next story, I think that's fantastic. Good for you. But that wasn't going to work for me. What worked for them there then wasn't going to work for me here now. And, and so I kept at it. And well, now we have always gray in winter and people can. There you go. There you go. And that's all the world can ask of anybody is that we always have always gray in winter. So. <laughs> all right. Uh, Hey man, I'm going to, we're kind of getting toward the end here. So I want to wrap up out of respect to your time. Uh, and sure. It's been fascinating because I, you're, what you've got here really is a tale of, you know, you, you had a story you wanted to tell. You believe there's an audience out there. Now we, we preach a message quite often of, you know, go out and find the market and then write for that market. Um, um, you're, you kind of went, a, a slightly different direction you know you, you wrote it and hoping I guess that there's a market out there how are sales I mean are you doing okay right uh, with uh, book sales well I can't complain I yeah. mean there are I, I think that being a member of furry writers guild and talking with the friends that I made in furry writer guild helped me establish what reasonable expectations would be for right. sale and I can tell you that for this particular market niche, uh, my sales are are are, are uh, respectable. Okay. Compared that's, that's, to some other genres, oh, okay. they, they you don't know, I, so much. <laughs> I talk to authors all the time who write in what, what you might consider more traditional genres who aren't making any sales. So uh, I think that's fascinating. You know, I I love. It's clear you're passionate about the topic. It's clear that you know this is something that you're you're very interested in. You're a member of an organization dedicated to it. This is the kind of thing that I love. I love meeting authors who say, "I had a book in my heart and I was going to get it out there, hell or high water." And I went, you know, the thing you did that a lot of authors don't do, which I actually think is pretty awesome, is uh, you kept searching until you found the pub the right publisher, the publisher that not only wanted it but wanted to do it your way. Didn't want to change the whole thing. I think that's great, man. So congratulations on that. I think you did a great job. And thank you, thank you. Appreciate so it. I wish you the very best in uh, luck and success with the book. So, um, okay, everybody, if you're paying close attention, uh, you can check out all the things we've uh, discussed on the show here. You can find on the uh, you know Mark's website, which. There's a link in the show notes. It's mark-ingles.com. Uh, you can also find him on Twitter, Facebook. Uh, I've got a link to his Amazon author page there. You're going to be able to find this guy. Uh, no problems. And, um, Mark, you hang out. Everybody, you're probably hearing the groovy bridge music. It's going to take you into the wrap-up for the episode. Stick around. There's some housekeeping you're going to want to hear. Uh, you may dance in place at will, of course. And uh, otherwise, we'll see all of you in the next episode of Wordslinger Podcast. And Mark's going to hang around and talk to me for a quick Wordslinger after show. If you're a Patreon subscriber, you get to hear what that's going to be all about. So tune in, and we'll see you all next time. Hey there. So you're, you may actually be wondering about that whole um, Patreon 
bonus, the after show, the Wordslinger after show. Uh, if you have been wondering about that, I am, uh, I'm, I'm this, I'm, I'm holding my fingers very close together above the microphone to say that I am this close. <laughs> if you go to patreon.com slash wordslinger podcast right now you'll see the revamped wordslinger podcast page there um that's that was sort of uh first steps i got a new video up i got new uh graphics up i got a new description up so <clears throat> we're we're almost there i'm i'm going to be releasing that content the new content very soon it has to be produced guys <laughs> I have to, it's basically like a whole other show um but i'm trying to simplify that find a find a format for it that i think is going to work for everybody um and these are short little clips they're like five to ten minutes at the most so there's something you can enjoy very quickly uh and i'm happy to provide that to my patreon subscribers every dime you send me in patreon of course is used in the uh overhead and production of the show so that's a little bit early i wasn't going to jump into that kind of stuff yet I want to jump in now <clears throat> to the uh, the industry news, uh, indie publishing news this week. You're going to find some of this pretty fascinating. First up, um, author earnings report is out. Data guy is uh, he's back after a a year long hiatus, and he he does not disappoint. The latest author earnings report gives us some uh, incredible insights into the industry, including a final confirmation that ebooks are surprise uh, in not going away. <laughs> According to the report, 55% of online book purchases in 2017 were, in fact, ebooks, uh, and there's a there's every indication that 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 climb will continue. the the um, The report has generated some controversy, though, which is interesting. Uh, it had initially named certain authors and publishers, giving their sales ranking and other information. Um, some authors complained that this was a breach in private of privacy, which is uh, sort of understandable. I can kind of understand it. Um, but what do you think? I mean, does it does this impact privacy? To uh, does it impact privacy to aggregate and report what is essentially publicly available data? Um, and my personal take on this may not be popular, but I don't think it is, and uh, <laughs> I think that authors are. One, uh, being too sensitive about privacy uh, when it comes to this data. This data actually can help you if you uh, if you let it. Uh, but two, um, we're endangering a, a free service. Um, data Guy is doing this for free for us. Yes, he is going to start charging the industry for some of this data. Uh, and he's doing everything above board. So if we are not careful, we will not benefit from this data that's my that's my take uh i i do have some inside information into this uh that i cannot share unfortunately uh because i respect privacy laws as well <laughs> but data guy has actually gone out of his way to make sure that this report is um in line with uh you know his responsibility a, a responsibility to uh to make sure that the authors are uh being protected so um, and he's been willingly blocking out people's names if they request it. So I, I just feel like we should uh, thank the guy rather than try to to find you know some nefarious uh, plot behind what, what he's doing. I think we should go thank the guy and help him help him do this because this information is very useful to us. This data is something we can't just get on our own. So anyway, if you're listening, data guy, thank you very much. I appreciate you. <laughs> <laughs> I know a lot of other folks do. You can find a link to a story about this in the show notes of this episode. Uh, so go check that out and uh, pop into the comments there on Author Earnings Report and just say thanks to Data Guy. I would appreciate that. I know he would too. Um, <clears throat> Google Play is now set to offer audiobooks. This is interesting to me, uh, especially with uh, after dealing with audiobooks with. Um, our deal with find with draft digital's partnership with Findaway on the launch of uh, Findaway Voices. Um, Google Play has had a, a turbulent time trying to enter the, the uh, enter and keep a foothold really in the content marketplace, and it's with uh, uh, the whole Google Play Store is essentially it's difficult to navigate. It's largely devoid of content. Uh, beyond what you could find at an airport bookstore, honestly. Uh, and as they continue to work on those challenges, it looks like they're making a bid to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Audible and iTunes for the audiobook market. This week, Google announced it will start carrying audiobooks in the Google Play Store 
specifying that there is no subscription and that many of the popular uh, audiobooks that you uh, you might be after will be sold at a discount, which is exciting news for consumers. Um, could be exciting news for authors as well. Could could this be a true contender for knocking Audible off of the hill, giving both consumers and authors a better shot? Um, I'd love to hear what you think on that in the comments on this uh, episode. Uh, you can... Uh, Pop over to wordslingerpodcast.com, find this episode and its show notes, and leave me a comment. Or hit the contact button there and uh, send me send me some uh, you know, send me a little bit of what you think. I I think that uh, this is interesting, but so far I've been less than impressed with what Google Play has done for authors or made available for indie authors in particular. Um, you know, you can't get on their storefront now unless you're grandfathered in right now, or unless you go through an, a a service. Um, why should that be? And uh, I've, no one's given me a satisfactory answer to that. I'm sure there is one. You can tell me if you know. Uh, but I, I don't feel that there's... I haven't heard a reason yet that makes that much sense to me. So Google Play offering audiobooks I think could be handy for uh, authors to reach a new market and to uh, keep more of the royalty. Um, no word really at this point as to whether they are going to consider indie authors in this or not. This may only be aimed at the traditional market right now. Or uh, more likely, some company like Findaway Voices will come along and uh, become the gateway to get into Google Play with audiobooks. Um, that would certainly be beneficial to a lot of indie authors. So, And particularly if you go in through draft to digital you don't have to pay the... Uh, the, the $50 admin fee if you if you sign up through draft to digital so um, you can do that by the way at draft at uh, I'm sorry findawayvoices.com slash d2d uh, or you can do it through your draft to digital dashboard and either way draft to digital gets a little bit of a credit for that so I appreciate that um, Apple takes another swing at Amazon over ebooks now back in 2012 um, Apple was kind of smacked down by the U.S. Department of Justice um, for a variety of reasons. Uh, there was a, a little bit of a tiff between Apple and Amazon and other uh, ebook distributors uh, in the U.S. Um, basically, the accusation was that there was a collusion between these companies to hike up the prices of ebooks. And uh, Apple actually ended up paying a pretty hefty fine for that. I think it's not really hefty uh, to Apple, uh, but it was in the tune of about $250 million, I believe. Um, so now they're taking another run at this. Um, they're looking, first of all, they've been doing a lot to revamp a lot of their uh, customer-facing services. I think they're overall trying to sort of inject new energy and new blood and new life into the Apple brand um, and move away from the sort of uh, the old school, old era stuff uh, that they were known for as they enter into a, a new generation <laughs> and appeal to a new generation. Uh, the, the tiny little eye is starting to disappear from everything, for example. Um, the iTunes Music Store has been renamed the Apple Music Store uh, as, a, as one example. And iBooks will be renamed just simply books uh, as they also revamp the uh, the interface for their app and their reading experience there um, they are clearly making a bid to become everyone's go-to service for ebooks um, don't think that's going to work personally I think I, I love what Apple's doing I hope that I wish them well on it I hope they do actually have an impact on the industry but the problem for me will always be the walled garden concept um, Amazon has some of this going for it, in, at least in terms of uh, KDP Select, requiring authors to be um, exclusive to KDP in order to uh, use some of Amazon's special services like promotions, uh, get paid by page reads, that sort of thing. Apple um, does the same sort of thing for consumers. You are locked into Apple and Apple devices and Apple software if you want to use Apple products, um, such as their books. Uh, so I, I think that that's, that's going to work great for them, for the millions and millions of users who are already in the Apple ecosystem. But as far as attracting new readers uh, with Apple's new books app, uh, I don't see how they're going to be able to do it. I mean, if, they, if you happen to own an Apple product, that's great. Uh, but who wants to spend, you know, at this point, thousands of dollars 
<laughs> when you can go buy uh, any e-reader for under a hundred bu- bucks at this point, <laughs> and I say any e-reader, an e-reader from any of the major retailers, um, anywhere from fifty bucks to maybe maybe two hundred, possibly three hundred if you want something that's actually more than just an e-reader. Um, why would you spend, you know, Apple's exorbitant prices just to be able to read ebooks? So that's that's not going to happen. The only way you're going to do that is if you're already an Apple user or if you are wanting to become an Apple user for more than just reading. Um, so I don't think it's going to work unless they have a plan that they haven't revealed to the public, which is entirely possible. So I know I know a few Apple uh, folks. I've got some inside track there and. Uh, they're, you know, of course, they can't talk about anything legally, so <clears throat> we don't get a whole lot of inside news. But um, there's, from what I, well, the conversations I have had, I, I don't feel there's any indication that we will see um, anything, you know, just game changing come out of this. <laughs> but what do you think? Uh, is this just more of the same stuff? Are we just, uh, is this just going to be more walled garden kind of stuff? Or are we going to actually see something? grow out of this. I'd love to hear your take on it. Um, so that's the industry news this week. In this episode of the Wordslinger podcast, of course, is sponsored by draft to digital You heard the pro- promo at the beginning of the episode. Um, you can convert, publish, and distribute your book worldwide with support the whole way. And uh, you can help me out a little with this, too. If you go to drafttodigital.com slash wordslinger, I get a little kickback there. So hop on over there, sign up for draft to digital start distributing your books. They take 10% of your royalty, and that's it. All this other stuff they offer ebook layout, print book layout, your uh, distribution, uh, automated in matter, uh, you know, all these tools that Draft Digital offers, um, <clears throat> they're yours for free. Uh, you don't even have to distribute through these guys. You can go in and get your, your ebook and your print book layouts and then download those and give them away to folks if you want, or go use them to uh, go direct to other. Uh, to other ebook distributors, uh, but if you distribute through Draft to Digital, you do get some advantages, such as a really cool, really easy, all-in-one dashboard where you can see all your sales and royalties, um, and you can control uh, when books go live, when they when they get taken down. Uh, we offer some uh, promotions and other benefits that you aren't likely to get elsewhere. So there are some uh, there are some advantages to going with us as an aggregator, and otherwise. Uh, we completely understand. It's your book. You own it. You have all the rights and all the control. We just want to help you uh, succeed. So if we can do that, great. Check that out at, at drafttodigital.com slash wordslinger, and they'll be helping us all out at that point. You can also take control, get more readers, and increase your Kindle rankings with KDP Rocket. Now, this is a great tool for keyword research. I actually use this tool for more than just finding keywords for my uh, Amazon and, and uh, ebook retailer uh, listings. I use this for keyword research for just about everything. Um, Google ads, Facebook ads, uh, Amazon ads, all that stuff. Uh, even uh, some of the stuff I do on Twitter. I use KDP Rocket to find keywords that are going to hit the right demographic for what I'm looking for. Um, so go check that out. And that's not an official use, by the way. That's just, I, I, I worked out how to do this. You can too. It's actually a great tool. So go check it out. Uh, you can find that at bit.ly slash KDP Slinger. And of course, there are links to both of these in the show notes. Um, support this show on Patreon. I already mentioned this earlier, but if you go to patreon.com slash wordslinger podcast, uh, I'm doing some work there, man, and it's going to be cool. I've, I know I've been talking about this for for years, really, but um, <clears throat> I'm finally getting there, and I'm I'm about to uh, get it together when it comes to the uh, the Wordslinger After Show, which is going to be special content you can only get when you are a Patreon supporter. So, whatever you feel like uh, throwing my way, it will be greatly appreciated. All proceeds go to the overhead of the show. They help me buy new equipment, help me pay for hosting. Uh, I just dropped uh, f- almost $500 for uh, hosting on for various platforms <laughs> just this past week. Um, so, you know, I do appreciate uh, a little help with that. But um, I appreciate all of your help, actually. If you subscribe to this show and share it with folks, 
I will uh, be very grateful. Go on iTunes. Rate, rate and rank the show. Give me five stars if you feel like it. Uh, but tell me a little about what you like about the show, what you're getting out of it. Uh, that's always appreciated, and it helps a lot. So, <clears throat> And, of course, you can pick up something to read at kevinthomas.com slash books. My new book, uh, my newest Dan Kotler thriller, an archaeological thriller, The Girl in the Mayan Tomb. That releases, if you're listening to this on launch day, it's releasing today. And this is the last day. To get it for just $2.99. The price goes up to $4.99 after this. So check it out. Um, you can find that at books2read.com slash Mayan-tomb. And of course, there will be a link to that in the show notes. Um, if you go to kevintomlinson.com, you can actually see it right there on the homepage and click through on the banner. It's the current hero on the uh, on the homepage. So go, go there. Check it out. Um, I I believe this is going to be one of the best received books uh, I've published to date. So just judging by sort of the pre-chatter uh, and things that are going on with it uh, right now. So I'm excited about it. Uh, uh, the readers have loved it so far. Uh, I've seen some uh, reviews that people are, are preparing to uh, to make live. Um, it's It's had more pre-orders than any other book I've published. And by far. I mean, if you combined all the books I've published, all of their pre-orders, this one actually would still be at the top. So <laughs> people are digging it. So go check it out. Um, anyway, that's that's it for this week's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope, uh, I, you know, I try to give you kind of a wide range of topics here on the Word Singer podcast, more than just indie publishing news uh, and entrepreneur news. I hope, um, I hope that you are finding something that, and helps you, uh, you know, work out the best path for your life and career. Um, that's what I'm here for. So be inspired, be entertained, uh, be informed, and be educated. Uh, all those words, in not that particular order, are in the, uh, the mission statement for the show. So <laughs> enjoy yourself out there. God bless each of you, and I'll see you all next time. Slinger.